Well, good morning. It's good to see you again. It's been a while, but I thank the Lord. I'm here this morning with you. I'd like to sing a song that my brother wrote years ago as he was praying for me and our family. He was the first Christian in our home. And I'll be telling you a little bit about that here in just a moment. Someone has a daddy and they love their daddy so. Time is steady passing and daddy's getting old. Daddy, won't you listen? For the time is running out. It could be this very hour. Daddy, won't you listen now? Are you someone, someone's been praying for? Someone loved you enough to take the time to fall upon their knees. Praying, Father, won't you please find a way before too late for my daddy to believe? You may have a brother, and only God can know the hours you spent praying for the brother you love so. You may be that brother. Thinking time is on your side Your soul will be required of you Who knows this very night You may have a daughter Or a son that you love so And they both have long forgotten The faith their mother sowed You may be that son or daughter And you wander far away Time's come to now return And now before too late Are you someone Someone's been praying for Someone loves you enough To take the time To fall upon their knees Praying, Father, won't you please Find a way before too late my family to believe Won't you find a way before too late For that someone to believe Amen. Well, if you would uh, turn your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 11, please. In Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. 
I'd like to bring you a little message this morning in Sunday school entitled Persistent Prayer. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word and the teaching of the Sunday school lesson this morning on prayer. And Father, I thank you for the power of prayer. And I thank you that you are a God who wants to answer prayer. And Father, I know there are many people in here that have prayers on their heart right now, things that they're praying for. Pastor and his wife are praying for a little baby to come into this world. And Father, we pray that you'll answer those prayers according to your will to bring you glory and honor. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You know, God wants to satisfy the prayers through us to give us the joy of being intercessors for others. Now, this word importunity in the Bible means persistent, especially to the point of annoyance or intrusion. Uh, it's kind of a, a metaphor taken from boxers who bruise each other. I was watching Rocky on the television. Man, that guy never learned to put his hands in front of his face. I'm telling you, after five movies, you'd think he'd learned to do that, wouldn't you? Some of you say, what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, but anyway, this uh, metaphor here is like a weary me to stun me. And God wants us to stun him with our prayer. So why should we pray? Number one, God commands it. Number two, God delights in giving good gifts to those who ask. And number three, prayer changes things and prayer changes me and changes you. I want you to turn your Bibles, if we will, to Luke chapter 18 for just a second and show you a parable here where God uh, shows us a parable about prayer. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, He spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. There's that importunity there again. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And so I want you to see here these passages of Scripture that God honors prayer, persistent prayer. Now, this uh, parable here about persistence in prayer, the purpose is that we might not lose heart in prayer. The judge was unfair and unconcerned. God is fair and he's very concerned. God didn't give this parable to say he was like the unjust judge, but unlike him. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. You know, you can pray driving down the road. Hopefully you keep your eyes open while you're doing that. You can pray walking. You can pray all people have different ways of praying. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men. That means all men. That means everybody. Uh, I'm from the United States, so I pray for our president. He needs the Lord. I'm praying for him to be saved. I'm praying for other people in the political field to be saved by the grace of God. James 5, 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Now that word, be careful for nothing, or that phrase means be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 46, the Bible says, saying unto them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer. And again, you don't have to wait till you come to church to pray. You can pray at home. You can pray riding down the road. You can pray anywhere you want to. Hebrews 7, 25 says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus Christ is our go-between, our priest and our king. And only Jesus could be priest and king at the same time. You know, the word priest in the Latin language is pontifex. You know what it means? Bridge builder. Bridge builder. Jesus Christ is the bridge between man and God. And when we pray, Jesus is our mediator, our go-between. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So what keeps us from praying? Three reasons I'll tell you. Number one, we stop asking because we faint. We give up because he doesn't answer on our timetable. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint." And Proverbs 24.10 says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Abraham Lincoln said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. So number one, we stop asking because we faint. Number two, we stop seeking because we fear. We quit because we're scared he won't answer. This lady in this parable didn't fear. She just kept asking. She wanted to get what she wanted. So she said, kept coming and she kept coming and she kept coming. Second Timothy 1 7 says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, Proverbs 1 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And first John 4 18 says perfect love casteth out fear. And then number three, we stop knocking because we lack faith. We stop believing he will answer. Have you ever prayed not really believing that God's going to answer the prayer that you're praying? That's praying in unbelief. 
Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Matthew 21, 22, and all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. John 14, 14, if ye ask anything in my name, Jesus said, I will do it. In Mark chapter 9, there was a man who was struggling with his belief. And uh, verses 23 and 24, Jesus saith unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Matthew 13, 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. In this parable here, this lady didn't faint. She didn't fear. She had the faith just to keep coming. In Jeremiah 33, 3, the Bible says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. This is a beautiful verse. Number one, we have a command, call unto me. Number two, we have an assurance, I will answer thee. Number three, we have a promise, I will shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And in James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Every prayer which is asked according to God's will and in God's way, God will answer. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and it shall be given him. John 16, 24 says, ask and she, you shall receive that your joy may be full. 1 John 3, 22 says, and whatsoever you ask, you receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And John 15, 7 says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. So obviously, there are conditions to prayer. These marvelous promises assume that those who ask are abiding in his commandments, truly desiring his will, having his priorities, thinking his thoughts, and are asking in faith and in his name. Do you realize that it's a sin to stop praying for people? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. In 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many of you this morning have somebody that you're praying for right now to be saved? Right? Okay, there's hands everywhere. Most all of us have people that we're praying for. When I first got saved, the first thing I did was I put my mom, my dad, my little brother on my prayer list. And then right after that, I put Andy Griffith and Don Knotts because I was a big Andy Griffith guy. I watched them all the time and I got, well, man, I don't know whether they're saved or not. So I put them on my prayer list. And of course, I had family members that I was putting on there as well and a lot of that. And when I got saved, I was so concerned about the salvation of my mother and my father and my little brother that I drove nine hours from Nashville, Tennessee 
to North Carolina so I could tell my mom and dad and my little brother what had happened to me. You know, when you get saved, there's a desire that God puts in your heart that he wants others, you want other people to be saved. And I want people to be saved that I don't even know. And it was something that was never never in my heart before I got saved. I didn't care where people went when they died because I didn't know where I was going when I died. But once I found out that I was heaven born and I was heaven bound, I wanted my family to be heaven born and heaven bound. I wanted perfect strangers to know the Lord. And so God just put it on my heart to start praying for people and start witnessing to people. But I'll tell you what, when I first got saved and I went home to see my mom and dad and my little brother and I would get around them and when I would look at them, I would start crying. Why? Because I saw them in hell. I said, man, if they don't get saved, they're going to die and go to hell. And so when I got around my mom and dad, those early, you know, when I was a brand new baby Christian, I would get around them and I'd just start weeping. And of course, they looked at me and said, well, I don't know what happened to you, but I don't want none of that. Every time you come around, you just start crying. What, what is that about? But they didn't understand my heart in that matter. But God helped me with that. And this is how he helped me with that. My brother had a bus ministry at his church, and one day I was working. I'm an old electrician, and so I was working with this electrician, and uh, my brother called me on the phone one day, and he said, Bruce, is there any way that you could meet me at the hospital? One of my bus kids' mom just died of a heart attack, 45 years old, and he said, please, see if you can come. So I called my boss. I told him what was going on. He said, yes, leave the job. Go help your brother. And so I went to the emergency room there to meet my brother to help him minister to these people. My brother opened his Bible. There was a crowd of people in there. They were all weeping and they were having a hard time. He shared some scripture, prayed for everybody. And then he came over to me and he handed me his Bible. He said, Brother Bruce, pray for me. He said, I'm going to go back here in this room where this body is with this man and his son and just weep with them. Will you please pray for me? I said, sure, Sam, I'll do that. And so I went and sat down in a chair and I prayed for my brother that God would give him wisdom and help him to love on these people and help them during this time in their life. And then after I got through praying, I'm sitting there, I'm holding my brother's Bible. And I said, wow, it's my brother's Bible. My brother prayed for me for 21 years to be saved. When I opened my brother's Bible, on the very first page, this is what I saw. On this day, I surrender my brother Bruce to God. And it was circled. And when I saw that, I started weeping. And I said, God, that's what I need to do to mom and dad and Dale. Because I can't save them. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And that's Jesus Christ. But that day, that gave me, I can't explain it to you, but a peace that I didn't have. And I went home and I got my Bible out and I wrote my mom's name and my dad's name and my little brother's name and I put the date on there and I circled it and I said, on this day, I surrender my family to God. And there was a weight that was lifted off of me. Now, did I still have a burden? Yes, I want them to be saved. I want them to be saved really bad. Still had the burden, but I didn't have the weight. I could go around my family, not weep and cry in front of them. I could enjoy being with them. And so God used that 
that day to help me with that. And so here I am, I'm praying for my mom and dad, and I uh, prayed for my mom, especially because I would ask my mother, I said, Mom, tell me about when you got saved. And she said, well, I got baptized when I was 16. I said, okay. I said, when did you get saved? She said, I got baptized when I was 16. And she would kind of get a little gruff with me, a little mad. And so one day I was taking a course about how to lead people to Christ because my brother was teaching this course and he wanted me to take it so I could take people out on visitation and teach them how to be soul winners. And uh, so uh, during this class, I had to take five people through this outline. And so once I, <clears throat> I did that, I could check it off and you know, turn that in as my homework. So the first one that I used was my mom. I said, Mama, I said, I'm taking this class. I need to get five people to go through this. Will you help me with this? And she said, sure. And so I sat her down and I said, hey, Mom. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, "Uh, if you were to die today, Mom, are you sure you're going to heaven or would you say that's something you're working on? And she thought for a minute. She said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd go. Yeah, I'd go. I said, okay. I said, well, suppose it was to happen today and you were to stand before God and he was to ask you this question, why should I let you into my heaven? What do you think you'd say to God? And she thought for a minute. She said, well, I've lived a good life. I've raised three boys. I've been faithful to my husband and I've never really done anything that bad. And I said, okay. So I wrote her answers down on a piece of paper and I took her through this outline. The outline of the gospel, grace, heaven's a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. And the, <clears throat> because it's not earned or deserved, man is a sinner and he can't save himself. And then I showed her uh, from Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then I talked to her about God. God is merciful. He really does not want to punish us, but he must punish sin. And then I told him about Christ and Christ is the God man, God in the flesh. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. God became a man like us so we could learn how to be a man like him. And then I shared with her that Jesus Christ, God, the son died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead. And I shared all this with her. And then I shared the last word, which was faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to heaven. The bottom line is, if you want to be saved, you must trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior and him alone, not your baptism, not your church membership, not your good works, not anything. And after I shared all this with her, I read her answers back to her. I've lived a good life. I've raised three boys. I've been faithful to my husband. I've never really done anything that bad. I said, Mom, where was the focus of your answer? And she went, on me. I said, see, Mom, you're not trusting Jesus Christ. You're trusting in your good works to get you to heaven. I said, wouldn't you like to transfer your good works to Jesus Christ and the work that he did for you on the cross today. And she stood up and said, nope. And she didn't want to talk about it. She was done with me. I said, okay. For a solid year, I prayed. I said, God, only you can open the eyes of my mother. And I prayed. And then she started messing up. She started forgetting some things. She had a couple of little minor car wrecks and Something was not right in her brain, and we took her to the doctor, and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. 
I took her home from the doctor that day and I sat her down and I said, Mama, I said, do you understand what's going on in your mind? And she said, yes. She said, I got the big one. I don't want it, but I've got it. And I said, I'm no, Mama. I'm so sorry about that. I wish I could fix it, but I can't. And I said, Mama, I'm not trying to test your memory, but a year ago we sat over at that picnic table and I was taking a course and I, I shared the gospel with you, you know, the class that I was taking. I said, do you remember that, Mom? She said, yes, son, I do remember that. And I said, Mama, I don't, go around, I don't want to go around the country and out of the country telling people how to go to heaven and my little mama die and go to hell. I said, would you let me share the gospel with you again today, Mama? And she said, okay, son. And so I went through the gospel with her, shared the whole thing. I opened my Bible, and I had written in there the answers that she had answered me a year ago. And I read those back to her. I said, Mama, a year ago, this is what you said you'd say to God. I've lived a good life. I've raised three boys. I've been faithful to my husband, and I've never really done anything that bad. And before I could say another word, she said, that's not enough, is it, son? I said, no, Mama. I said, Mama, wouldn't you like to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, will you help me? And I said, yes, Mama, I'll help you. And I led my mother in a simple sinner's prayer and reminding her that it was not the prayer that she was praying that was going to save her, but the one she was praying to, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that saves you. And as I prayed with her, she didn't pray any words after me. I had my eyes shut. When I opened my eyes, she was staring at me with tears in her, in her eyes. And she said, I ditto everything you just said. I said, okay, mama. And after that, my mom went downhill. And four years ago, my mom went to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. My dad just turned 92 years old. And uh, he called me on the phone one night and he said, uh, I need to talk to you. So I went to talk to my dad, and I knew what he wanted to talk about. He said, Bruce, he said, uh, I went forward at a church when I was a kid, and I got baptized and everything. And he said, but I'll be honest with you, son, I just don't understand it. And I said, well, let's talk about that, Dad. We went by my mother's grave, and right there beside my mother's grave, my dad started having questions. I answered his questions. I shared the gospel with him. And after we got through, I said, Dad, is this something that you'd like to take care of today? He said, I sure would. And I said, well, Dad, I can pray for you and then you can pray to God or I can help you. What would you like me to do, Dad? He said, will you just help me, son, just like my mom? He said, will you just help me, son? I said, sure, Dad. I led my dad in a simple sinner's prayer. I'll never forget when I got to the point where I said, please forgive me of my sins. My dad said, many sins. I said, that's right, Dad. Many sins. And right beside my mother's grave, my dad bowed his head and heart and trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I don't know who you're praying for this morning, but God is a God who wants to answer prayer. And he wants you to be persistent about your prayer. Last illustration I'll share and we'll be done this morning is I had a friend of mine that I was working with and, and Robert... Uh, I didn't know this, but Robert used to come and hear me back when I was in, you know, the music business, when I was the drinking, the drugging Bruce, the old Bruce. He knew the old Bruce. I didn't know that. I started working on this truck with him as an electrician. And uh, long story short, I uh, started sharing Bible verses with him and stuff. And uh, Robert got saved by the grace of God. I'll never forget the day that it happened. 
I was in the church service, and Robert was there, and I had been praying for him and begging God to save Robert's soul, and I was at the altar, and I was praying for my friend, saying, God, Robert, I know you're dealing with him. Please save my friend. And I was getting ready to get up off the altar, and one of the deacons in the church put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Bruce, get back down there and thank God, because Robert's coming down the aisle. And Robert got saved, and then he went home after he got saved, and he got on his knees beside his bed and started praying for his wife and his children. And his wife was laying in the bed, and she looked over and said, Robert, you've lost your mind. He said, no, honey, I'm saved. I'm going to hunt. I'm going to heaven. I want you to go with me. You need to be saved. And she said, oh, I did all that when I was a kid. I'm good. But she said what got to her was hearing her husband pray. And then she came to church one day. I was in the choir. And I remember when she walked in the door, we had prayed she would come, and she came. So God answered that prayer. But when I saw her face, I went, "Woo!" I said, God, God, I'm glad she's here today, but I don't think she's going to get saved today. She looked pretty mad. And when she sat down, she sat down like this. But when the piano hit the first note, she didn't walk to the altar. She ran to the altar. And Robert's wife got saved. Then he got to lead his children to Christ. And then we were praying for his dad. And he told me, he said, Bruce, my dad, I've never seen him shed a tear my whole life. I can't see him crying out to God. And I said, well, Robert, you're praying in unbelief because God's bigger than your daddy. And so we started praying for his dad fervently every day. Long story short, his dad came to church because he found out he had terminal cancer, stage four. He didn't have long to live. And the preacher said, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, raise your hand. He raised his hand. He came again. A visiting preacher asked the same question. He raised his hand again. I wasn't there when it happened, but Robert and his wife were sitting in a pew together. His mom and his dad were sitting right behind him. And Robert said, Bruce, I didn't go to the altar. Just in my chair right there, I was begging God to save my dad. I said, he's going to die and go to hell if he doesn't get saved, God. And his wife punched him in the ribs, and he ignored her because he was fervently in prayer to God. She punched him again, and he went, what? She said, look up. And when he looked up, his dad was standing beside the pew, holding on to the pew, crying so hard he couldn't move. And Robert got up, put his arm around his dad, walked down to an old-fashioned altar just like this, And Robert's daddy trusted Christ and got saved. I don't know who you're praying for this morning. But God says, be persistent about it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And keep on knocking. Because God is a God who wants to answer your prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you for our time in Sunday school this morning. And Father, many hands have been raised. People are praying for people. I'm praying for people. Answer our prayers according to your will and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.